Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Who's a Good Dog? I'm Kate Lever. I am a journalist and author of the book Good Dog. Joining me today, as always, is a dog who's been described by Australian breakfast television as the world's best boy. It's none other than my sleepy rescue shih tzu, Bert. On each episode of this podcast, I speak to a wonderful human being about their beloved dogs. Today, my guest is Peter Mudabazi. He shares his life as a single dad to four kids and two dogs with more than 120,000 Instagram followers. Peter grew up in Uganda and ran from his abusive father when he was just 10 years old. He now lives in North Carolina with his adopted son, Anthony, and several foster children. Over the years, he's welcomed 16 foster kids into his home, and he's fairly recently discovered the healing joy of having dogs around too. His pups are called Simba and Rafiki. Peter, thank you so much for joining me today. I started following your story because it really means a lot to me that we see different definitions of what a family can be. You currently, I believe you have four kids and two dogs in your family, and I want to hear all about them. But first, I'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Why did you decide to become a foster dad? Mm, why did I? It's a loaded question uh, for a guy like me, you know. So what it started with me, you know, I'm from originally from Uganda, you know, and I was born in a small village. I was born in a place where no one ever told me to dream. Uh, and then at age of four, you know, I began to realize that not only did I ha- have no hope or future, but also had a mean dad, an abusive dad. So on one side, I had a poverty that was likely to take my life. And then on the other side, I had my own dad that could take my life, you know. And it, it, the abuse didn't, wasn't just coming to me, you know, it was coming to my mom and my siblings. So there wasn't really, you know, it's hard for a mom if they can't feed you for the nights, you know. How do they tell you to dream? You know, how do they tell you to hope for? So that was me, you know. So at the age of 10, I, I was like, look, 
you know, I'll rather, you know, I'll rather die somewhere than, you know, die in the hands of my dad. And I'd never been 20 miles away. And I went 500 kilometers away, you know, wow. literally went on a bus and I said, you know, which one goes the farthest because I, I wanted to run away. And so I ended up in Kampala and became a, a street kid at the age of 10 to 16, you know, almost. As street kids in, in Uganda, you know, you kind of, you know, survive day by day, you know, uh, you're called garbage, you're treated more like a, uh, like you, you know, you're not a human being, and and you believe it because that's what you had from home, you know, that's how you live your life. So it's it's hard to to not believe what people tell you that you're garbage. You truly believe you are, you know. But the stranger, you know, changed my life. You know, for four years, no one had ever asked what my name was, and this guy said, "Hey, what's your name?" I was like, "Wait, wait, what? You asking me?" You know, and <laughs> I, and that really stops me. Like, wait, wait, you want to know my name? You know. Uh, and I told him and he gave me food. Then he would come every other day, every other week uh, to the market and, and he fed me for one year and a half, you know. And finally he said, hey, Peter, if he had an opportunity to go to school, would you like to go to school? I was like, can I really, you know? But he insisted and I went to school and he changed my life forever, you know. And that's really what, you know, and once I came to the United States, I wanted to do the same of what someone had done for me, you know. But also I understood foster kids of what they go through every day on the challenges, the traumas they've gone through that I knew I would understand because I was one of them. And so that's why uh, I became a, a foster dad. Uh, but before then, I didn't know they would allow me because I didn't know as a single man that I would be forced to parent because I had traveled to Ethiopia and other countries. And it's always the female or, uh, you know, or married couples that would be adoptive parents or foster parents. So as a single man, but also we have this, uh, you know, myth that men, we, we, you know, we, we're not so much of kids or family kind of, you know. Which is, of course, not true. It doesn't have to be true. It, exactly. So I walked in the foster care, I said, you know, can I be a mentor? And the lady said, well, have you ever thought of being a foster dad? I was like, wait a minute, you mm-hmm. mean I qualify? You know, and that day I signed up to be a foster dad. So since then I've had 16, adopted one and I have four. That's really my calling, how I got here. Oh, those are some impressive numbers. So many lives change. And may I say also how like astonishing I find it when people go through something as awful and as harrowing as you did and then they make the decision later on in their life to extend the kindness that was once given to them to other people. You know, I find it the most hopeful thing about human beings is when they've been through something traumatic and they still find it in themselves to want to help other people. You know, I have some close friends who've been through some unspeakable things in their lives and I'm just constantly inspired and and impressed by people who can turn around and say, do you know what? I'm going to put goodness into the world rather than giving up. So I just think that's just such a beautiful story. Um, So 16 kids all up, which is a lot four at the moment, one who's adopted. And I think, you know, you touched on people not knowing that, well, you not knowing that as a single dad, you could be a foster parent. I think there's so much misinformation and misconceptions around the foster care system. And I think one of them is that a lot of people don't know that one of the biggest groups that need homes are teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and often they've been, uh, as as your son was, in the foster care system for most of their lives. Right. So do you want to tell me a little bit about Anthony and, and how he came to be your son? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, a great question. You know, teenagers are most, you know, most some of the 
you know, the ones that have been, you know, uh, left behind or everyone wants a little one and they're like, I don't want to deal with teenagers or older kids. So I wasn't prepared to have Anthony, you know. So I had had two kids, you know, five and seven, and they had go, you know, reunified with parents, you know. So I told the social worker, you know, the one thing that as, as parents, you know, false parents is saying goodbyes are really, really hard, you know. So they had gone back home and I needed time to heal. So I told my social worker, I said, look, I need three months to just kind of go through this and to be able to refuel and come back. So the kids had left on Monday. On Friday, he get, you know, I get a phone call. Peter, you know, she said, hey, there's a kid at the hospital that really needs a place. You know, would you? And I said, no, I, I, I told you I, I need three months, you know. But because he, she mentioned hospital and I'm kind of thinking, why? You know, why is he? He's 11. He's at the hospital. Why? You know, and she begged me, she said, you know, could you have him for just a weekend and we'll take him on Monday? I said, sure, weekend I'll give you. You know, so he shows up at three in the morning and and the social worker, as soon as the social left, you know, I told him, hey, my name is Peter Mutabazi, but you can call me Mr. Peter. And he looks in my eye and he says, but can I call you my dad? Oh. And I was like, uh, no, you're only <laughs> here for a weekend. You know, you can't, that's not right. Mm-hmm. And then he looks back to me and said, but I was told that since I'm 11, I can choose who my father should be. So I choose you. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, and I think for me, wanting to be a dad so much that you don't want to believe it. That I mean, you've had a kid for 20 minutes. Like, mm, I, I can't <laughs> really, I, I can't go there yet, you know? Well, Monday came and they came to pick him up and I signed the papers for him to go. But this time, after I signed the, the paperwork, I wanted to know why was he in the system? Why was he left at the hospital, you know? Uh, well, the social worker looks at me and said, well, you know, he was in the system at one year and a half. And then the family that took him in adopted him at the age of four. And the same family that adopted him just left him at the hospital and they never mm. said goodbye. And I, I was just livid and in shock, like, you, you take care of a kid for nine years and you somehow just be done mm-hmm. at 11, you know? Yeah. And I think for me, that just took me back to my own life, you know, on how I had to run away and had to survive at 10. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine why, where is he going to go, you know? Uh, I wanted to know if he had family. They said, no, there's no, there's no family. Um, mm. And I said, you know, he's already called me dad. I mean, how do I say no? Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I told her, I was like, look, he already knows I'm his dad, so I think I am, so it's okay, he can stay. And uh, and he's been the best kid ever, you know, that he's uh, changed my life, you know. Mm. It's just so lovely and I'm so happy for you both that you found each other. I believe Anthony was the one who had the idea to invite dogs into the house, am I correct? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Every time we would visit families, he would really concentrate on, I want to spend time with the, with the dog. Even when we're going, let's say, for an ice cream or a walk in the park, he would say, but can I stay with the dog or the cat and just enjoy them? I was like, man, Aww. this kid loves that. So in my, you know, my head is spinning. I'm like, I, I can't, I can't, I, I can't, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do this, you know. <laughs> but, but every time we went to the park and he would always just say, can I, can I, can I, you know. And so that's why, uh, you know, the idea of a dog came in. And the first of your two dogs to come home with you is called Simba Mm -hmm. and the second is called Rafiki. Correct. I cannot tell you how much I love those names. The Lion King was my favourite movie, but also I really love it when someone names more than one dog on a theme. 
So tell me the story of how Simba came to join your family. So someone saw a picture of Anthony, you know, holding the dog, you know, I'd posted it. And this person said, like, Peter, you need a dog. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And then I, then I used an excuse. I said, you know, well, yes, I'm, you know, I have bad allergies. So I said, you know, I can't really do dogs that shit. So I, and I can't afford a dog. They're like, no, we, we're getting you a dog. I mean, that was, the, that was simple. <laughs> Sure, we get one that will not cause trouble to you. But they said they're not born yet, so you have to wait for three months. (laughs) And they're in Texas, which is about, you know, 16-hour drive one way, you know. Oh, wow, okay, yep. Yes, but I was like, look, you know, this is a gift being, you know, given to us and, you know, and Anthony's been praying for it. So we'll drive. So as soon as the uh, puppy was eight weeks old, we drove to Texas 16 hours one way. Wow. Uh, Me and Anthony to go get Simba, you know, and that's how we... We got Simba. And the name, why we called him Simba. You know, I'm from Africa. You know, my kids are, you know, from the United States. Like, I was looking for something that really kind of resonates with where I come from, you know, and see Simba, how, you know, someone that uh, always protected, you know, their surroundings. They're everything about every animal in the park. That, that's how I felt like, you know, uh, protecting every child uh, in care. Uh, but the Simba was the perfect name. And that's how we got Simba. And he's changed oh. our lives. I agree. I think Simba is the perfect name. And, you know, I've seen pictures of Simba and he's a majestic looking dog, you know, sort of a, a like a golden with tones of red kind of curls. Mm-hmm. I feel that there's poodle in him, but maybe something else. What's the other breed? All I have on the paper is a golden doodle and uh, Irish um Oh, Arisetta? Arisetta, yes. Uh, yeah. oh, that is... <laughs> is that him in the background? Yes. I'm like, how oh, you... That's me. I'm the Arisetta. <laughs> You're talking about me. I'm right here. How can uh, you have those ears? Golden Doodle oh. is such a funny braid name. Uh, that sounds like a lovely combination. And he is not entirely unlike a lion, you know? He does look Mm-mm, very no. brave and beautiful. <laughs> yes, just brave and beautiful. Hair, yeah, we can make his hair grow like Simba's, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, you thought, you know what, I have a couple of teenagers, I've got a dog, I don't have quite enough noise and busyness in the household I'd like to add to this. So you decided to get another dog and that's when Rafiki came into the picture. How did that happen? What was that decision about? You know, so, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really think about how you share a dog with four other kids, you know. Mm-hmm. So so once we had uh, Kai, who's 17, you know, uh, the you know Simba will always you know will always go to sleep with Anthony you know, but also I had had Anthony that long so he grew up with you know he that's who he knows but also loved everyone so there were you know not conflict but more like but what about me can he come and mm. sleep in my bed can I have him now can he sit with me now so there was a tag <laughs> of who does what I'm like okay you know and also you know Anthony uh, again it's, it's it was his dog, so I couldn't really make a decision that he should be shared because it's his dog, you know. Yeah. And so for me, I thought, how do I, how do I solve this issue? <laughs> 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 By you know adding uh, another family dog, and this time not just say it's for one particular person, but rather for family. So we can feel that he can be uh, for all of us. Uh, but I still feel like even those two with four kids, like it, it they are not enough. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you will have a sort of one dog per kid policy eventually? 
Well, if I had a bigger house, you know, and, and space, yes, I think so. I think I would. You know, and it's another way to really somehow, you know, for kids who go through trauma, you know, uh, mm-hmm. they get to learn, they get to to have someone that loves them unconditionally, you know, and to, for me to see how Simba has changed Anthony's life, like you really want that for every child. So, yes, if I had a bigger house and a bigger space and all that, <laughs> yes, I think so. Every child would have a Oh, well, I hope that happens. Tell me a little bit more about how uh, Simba in particular has changed Anthony's life. Uh, You know, I mean, Simba has done amazing things that I've never seen before, you know. So as I said, our kids have trauma and they have moments where uh, they want to be alone. There are moments where they don't feel Seth, you know, but having a dog to see how that has helped him to come out of his shell, you know. Uh, so when he's not feeling well, he has a friend he can call to go to the bedroom with. He has a friend to go for a walk with. He has a friend to play with when he doesn't feel like playing with anyone, you know. So for me, that has really changed in some way, just brought him out of the shell, but also given him a place to truly deal with what he's dealing in mentally, in his mind. You know, he's able to, to really share that with the dog. And Simba also understands that, that, you know, when he's not happy, I got to go lie down with him, you know, to, to give him that comfort, you know, to make him feel he's special, but also to make him feel that he belongs. You know, uh, the other part I did was, you know, with 12 words of affirmation that I had from my family, I have also written those on a piece of uh, uh fabric so it's a bandana you know so Simba is wearing that at all times so even when he's talking with Simba or cuddling with Simba or not happy he's able to read those words of affirmation that I love you you're special you're enough so I'm not just saying them you know but he's an animal he loves so much that also is wearing those words of affirmation that really get to change his life you know that he knows he belongs when he doesn't feel like, you know, as he's with his dog, he can read it. You know, now I'm known, he gets to know, I am known, I'm not just forgotten, but I'm known even when I feel I am. So my dog gets to to remind me of that. So it's really done amazing, not just for Anthony, but for every child that we have at home. Mm. Oh, it's so beautiful. I mean, I, I know um, myself firsthand how much how much dogs can change change a life. Um, I've written a lot about how my dog, Bert, has has helped when I go through depression and other sort of health issues. Just how I was going to use the word empathetic, and I will right. use the word empathetic because um, dogs are capable of, of empathy. And I, and I think they know when someone needs a little extra affection. Mm-hmm. And I know when I have friends come around who I feel need comfort I will often prescribe them my dog and I just you know (laughs) he goes across and gives extra cuddles to the people who need it so I can fully imagine and it doesn't surprise me at all how much that's helped Anthony what about you how's it changed your life oh gosh you know (laughs) my dogs spend more time with me of course when they're at school so there's a a sense of you know I am the head (laughs) of the family and they know that but for them to always when you open that door that you have someone at home to say where have you been you know uh when I go upstairs to hear the the footsteps of my dog running when my kids are not home I you know, to know that I'm not alone, you know, that they follow when I'm doing laundry when they're at home to, you know, sit there and just cuddle with me. You know, my favorite is when sometimes when my kids um, go to bed and I am, um, you're overwhelmed or you're, you're wondering what to do next. And there's a dog on your, on your feet 
to warm you up, to remind you uh, that what you're doing is right, you know. Mm. Uh, I love that they wake me up because they wake up earlier than the kids, you know, but they get to sit on my head, you know, <laughs> with their toes, <laughs> like, uh, I want to eat, I want to go out, are you ready? You know, to me, just like an animal can be that intuitive. It is the best way to wake up in the morning to have a dog clamber onto the bed and take up a position next to you. It's just like this magical little moment before you have to greet the rest of the world um, and get on with your day. My dog also has no concept of personal space and will climb on me. It's not quite as bad as uh, when your dog sit on your head because your dogs are a lot bigger than my dog. My dog yes. is quite small. So, but <laughs> Simba in particular is quite big. So it is, you know, um, yeah, I can imagine sometimes a confronting uh, start to the day <laughs> to have the full dog on your head. Even health-wise, I feel like I have improved my life because of the dogs. I get to walk them. I enjoy yeah. that. You know, even for me when I go through a difficult time, to know that I can take them on a walk and they can run and, and give me that sense of, you know, rethinking through what just happened or really the moments where I get to reclaim myself, you know, uh, is with the dogs and, and they've done wonderful mentally. Uh, physically, emotional, in every way, shape, form, giving me that. Oh, yeah. I mean, going on a dog walk is kind of a form of meditation. Communal too, communally. They, I th- I've got to know my friends that I would not have known my neighbours because of the dogs. Yeah. You know, they, they want to they they know the dogs. That you know, In the end, they want to really know more about you as well. So it's really cool how, you know, just an animal can really bring community to, to your life. It's it's amazing. I'm not married. I'm hoping that, you know, one day it's going to talk to a pretty woman and say, hey. Yes. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I Do you know what? I think about that so often when I go to the park because I do think it would be such a good story. Yes. Because and I do think it might happen for you because I really do think that dogs <laughs> like that one day Simba and Rafiki, one of them, will just go up and you won't even notice the, the woman at first. You'll see Kate, the dogs Kate, and you'll be Kate, watching no. the dogs. <laughs> And then your eyes will, you know, go up and, and notice the woman on the other end of the lead and that'll be it. That's your own romantic comedy. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining all of that now. Yeah. Nala is here for you, Simba, you know. Yeah, exactly, oh, exactly. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, well, I hope that does happen. If there's one TV show that is going to make the whole of the UK feel that little bit better about what's going on in the world at the moment, then it has to be The Great British Bake Off, which has returned to our screens. And if you want to really understand why the dough didn't rise or why the cookie crumbled, then you'll want to hear The Bake Down Podcast, where my two co-hosts, former contestants Jane Beadle and Howard Middleton, who have been there and done it in the most famous baking tent of all, dissect each and every episode of the new series. Search The Bake Down wherever you get your podcasts and you'll be sure to find us. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So tell me a little bit more about the dogs. How would you describe their personalities and their dynamic between them? How do they get on? So when we got Simba, you know, the, the family knew the dynamics of my, of my, my, my family, you know, uh, trauma. Uh, so they wanted to give us a dog that was calm, you know, and, and very gentle. And that's what Simba is. He doesn't back. He's, you know, he will mm. listen. He will, you know, follow the rules, whatever you say. You know, but he just behaves as though he's 85, you know, <laughs> Gen- gentle and, and yeah. sweet and, and slow. He only backs if you ring the bell. That's it. Anything mm-hmm. else? Which no, is helpful, to be honest. It's the second Absolutely. doorbell. Yes, you know. But it's also say, welcome home. Yeah. Someone, is having, someone is visiting us, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's Simba, just kind and, and sweet, you know. Uh, Rafiki, you know, I mean, he's just six months, so he's still a puppy. You know, he, mm. he will, he will run, he will jump, he will... You know, but Simba he wants to play at all times, and Simba's like, "I've had, I, look, I am done, I am done, and I am not doing it." But he's super active, really active. <laughs> Which I'm sure your household is just chaos sometimes between all the dogs and children. Particularly, Rafiki sounds like he contributes to the chaos. Yes, you know my my five and six year old. You know, I think they want to play, but they think I can, I can lift. Simba, I can jump at Simba. And of course, that creates chaos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that creates chaos. But, but also for me, I think a joy to see them play with each other, that they know how to. You know, uh, my two kids have been with us for almost three months. So they've learned how Rafiki responds and how Simba responds as well. And they're able to really integrate their way of playfulness with mm-hmm. the dogs that is really, really fascinating to watch, you know. In terms of like, looking after the dogs, feeding the dogs. There's sort of a classic dynamic between parents and children where the kids are like, can we get a dog? Can we get a dog? We promise we'll walk them and feed them and look after them and it'll be all our responsibility. And then the dog arrives and the parent ends up doing, you know, the lion's share (laughs) uh, of the looking after and you're shaking your head and I know that you're about to say that that is the case in your household too. Tell me how it's panned out. I'm like, Kate, how can you be talking about my life? You know, <laughs> exactly. I would take him out. I'll feed him. And then the first day, sure, the next day is like, um, you know, <laughs> you know, no, you know. Or they will say, you know, it's wet outside and his thing is wet. I can't touch it. I can't, I can't. I'm like, but it's it's what we have to do, you know. And, of course, at the end of the day, it becomes my, you know, 100% responsibility. They, sometimes they enjoy to feed them because it's, you know, it's, I think they, 
it's fun to watch, you know, kind of dog eat. So they'll sit there and watch him eat with them. You know? <laughs> uh, they compete to what, who feeds, you know, but when it comes to cleaning his, you know, yep. poop, yep. no, you know. <laughs> Uh, for walks too, my little ones enjoy that, but my teenagers, not so much, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, they're the first one to want to sit with him or go to bed with him. Like, so I do all the work, and then you enjoy the moment <laughs> with the dog. Like, how does that? How, like, how does that play? Yeah, I mean, I think that that story is a universal one amongst families who have dogs. Yes, that was my seventeen-year-old. It's like I'll do. Anything, I promise you. I'll be up at six. <clears throat> I mean, he just got up at eleven. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I remember being a teenager, and they do need a lot of sleep. Yes, and eating. They eat like hogs. Sorry to say it, but I feel like they eat nuns. It's like they have a a bottomless hole in their stomach, and I don't know where the food goes. Like. You know, you eat 10 seconds later, like, can I have a snack? We just ate. We haven't even left the table, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in that way, maybe they have that in common with dogs as well. I don't know about your dogs, but a lot of dogs I know could eat endlessly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think my dog could eat cheese as an Olympic sport. Like, he could, he's just outstanding at it. And the the quantities are astonishing. Um. I believe having seen on social media that Anthony had a really beautiful idea for giving away small plushy toy versions of dogs that look a lot like Simba to children who might need a bit of love. Can you tell me about that sort of plushy operation that he came up with? <laughs> Absolutely. So remember, so I created the, 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 the bandana a reminder for him and a reminder for me. And so one day he said, you know, that dad, I think it would be really cool if you can make some for kids in the foster care. And I was like, wait, 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 what? You know, you, you, you're thinking about, and I remember just other families that I have visitors like, man, Peter, that's a really good idea to have the dog at home that has like, it's a good idea. So the more families we had about because of Anthony's idea, I said, okay, um, we're going to create one. So we created one plush. So we sell one and then the other one goes to kids in the force care. And he, he wanted it to be exact like, like his, you know. So the banana has the 12 words of information. And on, on, the, on the banana, there's a specific number behind it mm-hmm. that only you and whoever bought it for you have, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, if you bought one for your child, you know, that child would have that particular number, you know, because he wanted them to be each unique in their different way. And also he wanted us to put a tag where the kids can write the name of the dog. So it says, hello, my name is, you know. Mm. So then the child is able to say, uh, hello, my name is. So ours is Simba, but they can name their, their dog. And, you know, and that's really been a, a blessing that, you know, a kid who was like them, you know, that could think about or giving them something that reminded him uh, of where he's come and what he's been able to truly overcome in a way so it, it's been a great uh way to to reach out and it's not just only for foster kids it's also for you know a gift you get to, to give to your kid you know that they get to, every night they go to bed they get to really read you know i am known i am special i am not alone uh, you matter you know uh, oh. your heart your sin and your gift oh. Peter has just picked up an adorable dog toy and read some affirmations from his bandana, which is just such a beautiful, I mean, it's a beautiful idea, but it's also such a lovely sign that you are clearly bringing up your children to have the same instinct that you had is to appreciate the loveliness that they've been shown and to try and 
pass that love on to other people who might need it. And that's just so lovely. So at the end of the podcast, I sort of just ask a quick fire series of questions more specifically about the dogs. Where do they sleep at night? In the kids' bedroom. So it, it depends who's, who needs the dog the most. You know, sometimes <laughs> it's me, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's me. So they, they, they alternate, you know. Simba always in, in Athens, you know, but sometimes he'll come to my bedroom. And then Rafik is shared. So Rafik has to say goodbye to the little ones before they go to bed and then has to come and wake them up. So I have to bring him because they'll say, where's, where's Rafik? He's smaller so I can lift him to their bed, <laughs> the bunk beds. So that's the, the routine for, for Rafiki take the kids to bed, the little ones, and then wake them up uh, as well. So, um, yeah, so that's how we, we sleep. So cute. What is their opinion of other animals? Cats, for example, or I don't know if you get squirrels in North Carolina. Yes, you know, we get lots of squirrels. They're <laughs> curious, so they look. So for Simba, they get to look and watch, you know, where they're going. For birds, they like to chase the birds. They, you know, Simba thinks he can attack the bird in the air, you know. <laughs> and then for other dogs, they're, they're really, they never bark and they always want to just kind of sniff around. That's it. They, they, they get too excited sometimes, you know, but they always want to know other dogs, not in a harsh way, but in a really kind, sweet way uh, for both of them. Do they have favorite toys and do those toys ever have to go into the washing machine? <laughs> well, favorite toys, you know, when you have four kids, think about how many toys uh, <laughs> yeah. fly left and right. Think about, uh, you know, things they use themselves. So I notice my, my dogs like the kids stuff to chew on them because they want to smell them, you know. So their shoe, I mean, tell me about... <laughs> Uh, how much I had to invest in his shoes. But, you know, but they like to choose some, you know, for Simba, something he can put in his mouth, the whole, you know, a ball, uh, a tennis ball, you know, something that kids can throw and he goes to catch. Uh, for a Fiki, anything he can destroy. So if it's a toy that he can destroy it and pull out everything out and the leg here and the arm there, then he's fine, you know. So uh, that's the stage he's at to chew Lego sometimes, you know, he'll find in Lego mm-hmm. and we have to watch those at all times, you know. Have you ever had any disasters where the dogs have claimed one of the kids' toys as their own? Every day. <laughs> so so the kids have sleeping toys that they sleep with or play mm. with in the bedroom. So when they come upstairs, when someone is not watching, they will go to each kid's room and pick up a toy and take it downstairs. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, and just all put in the, in the, we have crates, you know, they put in the crate and, and hide it or just sit there with the toy. And I'm like... You know, that's it's a new toy. So we know where toys, when toys are missing, we know where to go <laughs> and we know who took them from upstairs. And it's funny that they only take particular toys from each bedroom. Like it's not that they just take anything, you know, they pick especially stuffed animals, mm-hmm. you know, and they take them downstairs for themselves. Do the dogs know any human English words, you know, like walkies or chicken or? Yes. They know walk, let's go, eat, downstairs, stop, uh, come, uh, which other one? Jump. So they Great. know those words. <laughs> That's quite a lot. That's it's more than my dog knows. 
Do the dogs ever get any fan mail from people who follow your story? Yes, they get fan mail and they also get toys as well. <laughs> so we have <laughs> we have strangers who just we you know we have a private mail that they can send them to, and we go to the box and there there is a. You, I get excited that I shipped something or someone shipped me cookies and then I open like, oh, it's Simba's and Rafiki's toys. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I guess I have no choice. You know? <laughs> but we have kind people that really do that often. Uh, maybe once a month, they even mm. send a card uh, or snacks for, for a dog. That's really cute. I love that. Peter, that's all I have to ask you for today. Thank you so much for talking to me. Is there anything else you, the kids or the dogs would like to mention? So next week, uh, I think we get a photo shoot. So the Animal Nature magazine reached out to us to, to highlight our dog. You know, they basically follow the human story on how dogs have been able to change a human story or how a human story has truly been impacted by having a dog. So for, mm. in my case, is you know, kids with trauma and how dogs have really been of help to, to their mental capacity. So, yeah, we, we're really excited. Oh, well, that sounds beautiful. I will look forward to seeing pictures of that. Peter, honestly, thank you so much. It was so lovely to chat to you. That was just such a beautiful episode. Thank you for letting us be part of your journey as well. Thank you for listening to Who's a Good Doc. If you liked the show, hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app and tell your friends at the dog park. If you didn't, keep it to yourself. And if you really, really liked it, I actually wrote a whole book about dogs. It's called Good Dog, celebrating the dogs who change and sometimes even save our lives. It's about my dog, Bert, and how he helped me through depression. I tell that story and then I speak to 10 other people whose dog changed or saved their lives. There's a border collie who can detect changes in blood sugar, a schnoodle who works in a dementia ward, and the most elegant dog in the world, a Labrador called Gwen. Basically, if you like dogs, I can almost guarantee you'll like this book. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok on at Kate I. Lever. This episode of Who's a Good Dog was produced by Ali Adlington. Original music is by Luke Bat. And the artwork is by Ryan Hodge. Emotional and moral support provided by Bert, the objectively flawless Shih Tzu. a good dog you just heard a stripped media production mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.